Hello, Savedin family. Landon here. Welcome to this episode of the Savedin podcast. I'm really um, just kind of pushed to bring forward today's podcast. I um, I know I promised last time that uh, we're going to do this study on the the Book of James, which I really am excited to do. Um, I'm going to have to push that back a little bit because I don't want to make this the world's longest podcast. Uh, so I'm going to split this into two parts. Um, but first, there's a couple things I just wanted to put before you that have been really um, just kind of on my heart and, and really in my face of, of recent days. And it's it's this interesting dichotomy. It's, it's this contrast of the asleepness, <laughs> the asleep nature, uh, the dormancy of what would otherwise be clear thinking, rational, spirit filled individuals and contrasting that with what is an apparent awakening of sorts that is happening. And people are having this veil removed from their eyes and they're, they're starting to see what's going on in the world and the ability to address the things that are going on in this world. Uh, that That's becoming clearer and, it's it's going it's going to manifest in levels of discomfort it's going to manifest in levels of uncertainty uh, but it's going to yield freedom it's going to yield uh, liberty it's going to yield the ability to basically shine that bright light in the darkness and push back everything that's been going on in this world for for decades now, you know, this, this, it's amazing how corrupted our societies have become and, and we're a little bit desensitized to it. We, I don't know if you would say we're complicit in it as much as we feel a bit helpless to do much about anything. Uh, When we, when we watch ridiculous things happen, we watch corrupt you know, judges or whatnot make inexcusable judgments, which are to any rational person, absolutely ridiculous uh, judgments that are not grounded in fact or anything. And yet the system continues to roll. The The system continues to support those who are corrupt. We sit there and we've, we've become so engulfed with all of this and you kind of wonder what's going on. Why are we asleep? Why, why do we not care about these things? And I, I, I want to argue that it's not that we don't care, but we, we've closed our eyes. We, we just, um, I want to share with you a song that hit my radar this week and it comes from the very insightful crowd referred to as um my kids um (laughs) one of my one of my children brought this forward and said hey have you heard this song this is pretty interesting song and then pretty soon everybody's singing it and whatnot but as i listened to it it took on a whole new meaning for me because I could see, well, let me just tell you, the song is a, titled Pompeii. 
And some of you might know it. It was a, a pop hit song um, by a British group called Bastille back in 2013. And because I'm not really into the music scene, I never heard it before. And uh, I'm not in the UK either. I, maybe it hit the US too. I'm not sure. Um, I wasn't even in the US during that time anyways, so I wouldn't even know if it did. But um, somehow this hit my kid's radar. Well, when I'm listening to it, the metaphor of Western civilization as illustrated through the eyes of those who were at Pompeii as Vesuvius erupted and wiped out a civilization in an instant, um, a near instant, I, I look at everything that's happening in our world and I look at the behavior of our civilization, uh, whether it's in the, the States or South Africa, it, it doesn't seem to matter. It's the same behavior. And it's a behavior of not here, not on my watch, no big deal. These things come and go. Um, there's nothing to see here. And those who are screaming, run from the fire, are looney tunes and morons. And they're to be ignored and classified as idiots while the rest of us will just carry on because we assume that everything is going to just carry on. But sometimes it doesn't carry on. Sometimes it's, it's Pompeii. Sometimes it's Vesuvius erupting and wiping out an entire city. And the thing about Pompeii, and a lot of archaeology has echoed this, is it was very debaucherous society. It was very immoral and a very unbiblical type of society. And what this song, in, in my estimation, I mean, I don't know if that's what they were aiming for, but it, I read into it <laughs> um, as, as I use my biblical lens, is when, when everything is coming down around us and when things ultimately do collapse, do, do we spend all of our energies just figuring out how we're going to rebuild what has broken? Or do we take the time to contemplate the brokenness of our own lives and the sinful nature of our own lives and the just judgment of the Lord? Do we really think about that? Do we really see ourselves as created beings that are at the mercy of an almighty God? Do we? Or are we just going through cycles that we will ultimately overcome. So I just want to, I just want to go through the lyrics of this song a little bit, and then I'll, I'll um, play it for you using a, a YouTube version. And hopefully that doesn't get us kicked off the internet. But um, let me just read these lyrics to you real quick. I was left to my own devices. Many days fell away with nothing to show. So there I'm immediately thinking about playing video games in my mom's basement, right? Nothing's happening in my life. I'm a 40-year-old man, and I've got nothing to show for my life. That kind of thing. And the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love. Gray clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above. So we're in this city. We, we are in this civilization. We see that things are crumbling. All the indicators are there. In fact, even the clouds have rolled in, and we can see the darkness. And it's coming from above. So there's a metaphor there for spiritual darkness. And 
today, if you don't see the spiritual darkness that has just descended on Western civilization, I, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> you are beyond blind, but we're going to get to you just now in the next verse. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like you've been here before? How am I going to be an optimist about this? How am I going to be an optimist about this? So this stanza is saying, if we just close our eyes and just pretend that nothing's happening, that those those walls aren't tumbling and that there's no darkness surrounding us, if we just close our eyes, we can imagine that nothing's going on. In our blindness, we can pretend that nothing has changed. We can pretend that the things that are going on around us are the same that they've always been. And even though the walls are tumbling down and the darkness has surrounded us, it's been like this before. No big deal. We'll, we'll conquer it again. No, no, it's, it's nothing to see here. Unless you're Pompeii. Because on that catastrophic day, when everything tumbled and the darkness descended, Vesuvius was wiping out the whole of the civilization. Okay? Because that time when it was the end, it was the end. Next stanza. Oh, oh, and then it says, how am I going to be an optimist about this? So everybody's trying to say, oh, you know, things aren't looking great, but man, we're going to see the upside. We're going to see how, you know, everything, you know, bounces back. And that's, that's great if you're in that cycle of bouncing back. But what about if you're not in that cycle, but you're Pompeii? How can you be an optimist about being wiped out by rapid lava flow <laughs> and an exploding volcano? Next stanza. We were caught up and lost in all our vices, in your pose as the dust settled around us. So people are consumed with their vices, they're consumed with their lusts and desires and consumption. They're completely taken over by their own pursuits, and then they're caught and they're dead. They're caught in their vices. They're caught in their debauchery. They're caught in everything that they were consumed with as they didn't recognize that the world was crushing down, crashing down around them. And then they were stuck. And then we review and revisit in the lyrics. The walls are tumbling down in the city that we love. The clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above. But if we close our eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed? And if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like you've been here before? How are you going to be an optimist? How are you going to be an optimist? And then it moves into the bridge, which is very, very cool. And then it says, oh, where do we begin? The rubble or our sins? Oh, where do we begin? The rubble or our sins? So when society eventually does hit the end and it crashes around us, are we just going to try to restack the bricks into the wall that was? Or are we going to look at the root cause of what led to our destruction, which is our sinful, immoral society, which is the hallmark of every empire that has crumbled throughout the history of humanity is when men left to their own devices pursued their own lusts and sins and became an immoral society 
outside of whatever frameworks they had, Christian or not, that's when they crumbled. And so, and then the, the song keeps going on and repeats some of the chorus. Well, I want to play the song for you um, and, and just listen to it and, and really think about this. It just, it really struck me. I just, this was so metaphorical for me. I, I just, I was like, wow, that is, you know, that is prescient. That, that is prophetic. <laughs> that, that is something that we should really be thinking about as we watch what's happening in the U.S., in South Africa, all over the Western civilization. And people have to stand up and push back this darkness because we are enveloped. And then... I want to use this as the precursor to the second half of the podcast where I want to play for you a speech that was made by the new president of El Salvador where he outlines and he's speaking to an American audience that he was visiting and he outlines everything that's going on in the world around us and why El Salvador has just stabilized but that the rest of Western civilization is a frog in boiling water about to be consumed. And um, before we go there, I want to jump over and play this song for you called Pompeii. But honestly, it might as well be called the USA. So I'm going to kick you over there now, and I'll be back in a few.
So we're we're back, and you know, besides dancing a little, because that does have a, a pretty good beat to it. Um, I hope you you kind of were able to think a little bit about um, those who have gone before us and those who could see their civilization cracking and, and crumbling and falling, but were so busy being consumed with their own day to day selves that they got caught in the destruction and frozen in time. Um, as those at Pompeii. And, and I hope that that's not where we are. And I am now going to pass you over to um, a speech that was made by the new president of El Salvador. And he, he specifically talks about it's not too late to jump out of the boiling water. There's still time, but there's not much time because the heat is up and the boil has begun. In fact, the boil is already underway. So we're, we're kind of in the last gasping breaths of a dying frog and we better leap and we better do something now because this thing is about to end and we will find ourselves as Pompeii. And so, um, I just found this speech phenomenally, uh, interesting. And it was, it was referred to me actually by the person in my life who has the most impeccable sense of discernment and, truth sifting of anybody that I know. And that's my wife. Um, my, my wife is amazing at this and when she doesn't refer things to me very often, but when she does, I pay close attention because it has struck her spirit as something that needs to be paid attention to. And, um, and, uh, so I, I would encourage you to, to respect that as well and to take the, the 20, three minutes or whatever it is to listen, uh, to the speech. And if you need to listen to it a couple times, or maybe pull up the video and watch him speak so you can, um, catch his uh, body language and his, um, his mouth, you know, so that you can read what he's saying. Cause it is a Hispanic accent from El Salvador, uh, Spanish accent, sorry. And, um, so if you're not familiar with Spanish accents, you might need to, you know, either watch it and, and um, or just re- revisit it, but the, this president, I, I, I don't want to actually. You know what? I don't want to supersede anything that he's going to say in his speech, really, other than what I've already said. And I want I want you to just really listen to what he says, and I just encourage you, with open ears and an open heart and an open mind, appreciate what he's saying, and appreciate what his country has been through. 
and the it, he's almost like a watchman on the wall that is waving the flag to the the American population and the whole of Western civilization and saying, "We figured it out. We figured it out in El Salvador. People, listen, you 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 too can figure this out. And here is what you have to do. This is the formula." for restabilizing and reclaiming a peaceful and prosperous West. But it's almost crickets. It's almost the, that dying hour and uh, Vesuvius is rumbling and y'all better pay attention because otherwise, while you're playing video games in your mom's basement, you're about to become a mummy trapped in dust and that's going to be the end of you. That This is what he's... He's warning, like he just wants everybody to listen because the pain they went through in El Salvador does not have to be relived uh, by the rest of the West. And um, I I really encourage you to pay attention to this. And then, um, yeah, and then I'll just cycle back right at the end and uh, and then we'll, we'll close the podcast for today and then we'll go ahead and break out the study on the book of James for our next podcast. Okay. All right, thanks a lot, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Thank you. 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 Thank you, everyone. Thanks, thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you too, I love you too. Dear Matt and Mercy, thank you for the kind invitation to have me here at CPAC. It is truly an honor to be here just a few days after our presidential and legislative elections. Which, by the way, they pulverize the opposition. They say, they say globalism comes to die at CPAC. I'm here to tell you that in El Salvador, it's already dead. But if you want globalism to die here too, you must be willing to unapologetically fight against everything and everyone that stands for it. Fight for your freedoms, fight for your rights. The next president of the United States must not only win an election, he must have the vision, the will, and the courage to do whatever it takes. And above all, he must be able to identify the underlying forces that will conspire him, that will conspire against him. These dark forces are already taking over your country. You may not see it yet, but it's already happening. You don't see it as clearly because people are designed to see linear changes, not exponential ones. We don't always recognize how fast a problem can multiply and spiral out of control. 
The problem is much like the metaphor of the boiling frog. Once the water boils, it's already too late. People fail to see these things. It's our nature. Just like the frog, people become complacent and they don't realize how bad things are getting until it's too late. Well, I, well, I know, of course, El Salvador is a lot smaller country. Setting aside the differences, there's a similarity with what is happening here in the United States. We also had many apparently isolated problems in the 60s and the 70s. And we failed to realize as a country the severity of them until it became a civil war. By the time we reacted, it was already too late. We were already boiled like the frog. And it took us 50 years, two wars, 250,000 lives, and a third of our population displaced, and a near miracle to get our country back. As your friend, I want to issue this warning so you don't make the same, mis the same mistakes we did in the 60s and the 70s. It is not easy to pull yourself back once you're in boiling water. In fact, in fact all the experts said it was impossible. And besides, you don't want to wait 50 years and maybe hope for a miracle to get out of hell. You can still jump before the water boils. Some might say I'm exaggerating, but we can clearly see the signs of a declining society because our own hit rock bottom decades ago. It's like when we see someone getting sick. First, it's maybe just stomachache or a headache or a small fever. But if you don't deal with the disease, it will only get worse. And then it, will may, it may be, be too late. Even after our first war in El Salvador, we failed again to look into the signs of the second civil war that was coming, the gang war. After a million people fled the first war, a lot of them came to live in ghettos here in the United States, where the gangs were formed. When former President Clinton deported a lot of those gang members without telling us they were gang members, they were criminals. They roamed free and recruited young people thousands of young Salvadorans to join the gangs. At first, they seemed like petty criminals, but they began to change and transform until they became the unscrupulous terrorists that we know today. Most of them even performed satanic rituals, and this has been well documented. The government back then didn't deal with the disease, nor did the next administration, nor did the ones after that. The disease that had begun with mild symptoms got worse and worse. It became a cancer that seemed incurable. We are already seeing these symptoms in the United States. Big cities in decline like Baltimore, Portland, New York, just to name a few. Places where crime and drugs have become, have become the daily norm and even accepted and promoted by the government. How many young people have you lost to the streets of Philadelphia or San Francisco to fentanyl? Did we see these apocalyptic sites 15, 10, 5 years ago? 
Can you imagine how it will be in the next 5, 10, or 15 years? The same thing was happening in El Salvador. In the span of less than a decade, gangs took control of all the country and our society. They evolved into a parallel government, controlling elections and even political parties. Every aspect of the daily life of most people was controlled by the gangs. Murder capital of the world is a tragic title to hold. Getting rid of, what, of that was the bare minimum we had to achieve in order to even start thinking about rebuilding our country. But jumping out of the water when it's already boiling is an almost impossible feat. You are not there yet. And believe me, you don't want to be. We did the unthinkable to cleanse our society. We arrested the terrorists, we, but we have to remove corrupt judges and corrupt attorneys and prosecutors. Prosecutors who are setting the gangs, the gang members free. And it wasn't just the gangs. The corrupt system, working tandem with the so-called international community, the NGOs, and of course the fake news, just like it happens here in the United States. Un unelected bureaucrats are trying to instate public policy. Who elected them? They don't have a democratic mandate. If they want a seat in the table, they should run for office. Let the people vote. It will not be a pretty sight for them if the elections are free and fair. I mean, who elected Soros to dictate public policy and laws? Why does he feel entitled to impose his agenda? Let me tell you something. Soros and his cronies hit a brick wall in El Salvador. Thank God, thank God, another glory be to him. Salvadorans are now immune to his influence. No one believes his lies anymore over there. We just, had, we just had free and fair elections. And we won in a landslide with more than 84% of the vote. Let that sink in. More than 84% of the people voted to continue our policies. Our victory is unprecedented in the history and modern democracies in the world. They also gave us a supermajority in Congress. More than that, 54 seats out of 60. <laughs> 57 if we count our allies. 
That's, that's 95% of Congress. Let that also sink in. The people of El Salvador have woken up, and so can you. The global elites, they hate our success, and they fear yours. The people's free will to choose their leaders is something they despise, because they cannot control that. You have experienced this firsthand here in the United States. The global elites control the mainstream media, they finance campaigns, district attorneys, to mention a few. They abuse their powers. They persecute political opponents. In El Salvador, we don't weaponize our judicial system to persecute our political opponents. A practice that may sound familiar to you, but we don't do that there. And who's the dictator? The global elites, the global elites in the media, they work in conjunction, they run some stories and publish them, same pictures to reinforce their agendas. You're no strangers to that here in the United States. We deal with that in El Salvador too. That is the free press that they talk about? Please. I always criticize the defenders of institutionalism. Not because I don't think strong institutions are paramount and necessary for a democracy, but because I find them very hypocritical. They don't seem to have the same standards for themselves as they are trying to impose on others. But there's yet another component that is more dangerous than a simple double standard. Institutions were created to serve the people and not the other way around. Somewhere, somewhere along the way, those people forgot their fundamental purpose, which is more important than the institution itself. When the judicial system was created, it was created out of the necessity to bring justice. But now, it seems that survival and control of the judges, of the AGs, among others, are paramount. And the need to bring justice is merely a little more than an afterthought. Another example, the police was created to bring law and order. Let them seek law and order then. But now some of them are even afraid to do their job because they fear the consequences for doing it. They should be encouraged to fulfill their foundational roles without fear of repercussions that distract them, that distract them from their missions. If the police was created to bring Law and order, let them bring law and order. If the judicial system was created to bring justice, let them bring justice. Let them protect their purpose at all costs. Same goes with the press. Let them be free. A democracy needs a free press. But to enjoy that membership, 
you must adhere to your duty as a reporter. Report the facts. Don't be a puppet of those who finance you or finance the organizations that you work for. Your freedom of speech, your freedom of speech will always be protected. We believe in free speech. All, everyone here believes in free speech. Your free speech will always be protected. But don't call yourself a journalist if you're just an activist. Don't, don't call yourself independent if you depend in open society. Sarah Sanjiao for those, those sacred institutions have marked away from the reason they were created. We should not defend those institutions for the sake of being institutions. Instead, we should defend the principles that created those institutions in the first place. It's troubling to see that this is happening everywhere. Not only in El Salvador and the United States, it's happening everywhere. It, but even here, in the United States, in the most powerful country in the world, even here, it's happening. America should listen to these words, not because the El Salvador model should be replicated here, but because these specific examples apply to any nation that has lost or is losing its way. Ask yourself why this is happening. Who is supporting it? And whether it's by ignorance or by choice. And fight it. Fight it with all your heart and soul. And be the beacon of hope. And be the beacon of hope that your founding fathers with all their faults like every human being has dreamt for your country. Fight for your freedoms, for your rights. Fight for the original purpose of these institutions and not their mere existence. It's still not too late. It can be done. It is time to erase these new paradigms that have been imposed in the recent years that make no sense. If you just free your minds from those invisible chains, you could do it. This shift is an extremely dangerous trend that undermines these institutions. Effectiveness and their credibility is at stake, both home and abroad. This is a warning from a friend. You should adhere to their foundational principles and purposes and denounce this new institutionalism. Now, you would think that's it as it wasn't enough, right? But unfortunately, there's more. There are other symptoms that are even more difficult to diagnose. For instance, the financial situation of the United States. When I talk to my conservative friends right here, 
they always tell me that the problem is high taxes. But they're wrong. Of course, high taxes are extremely high here in the United States. I, I give you that. You're right in that. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is not the high taxes themselves, but the fact that they are not even really funding the government. Not even those high taxes, higher than a lot of places in the world, not even those taxes are really funding the government. So who's financing the government? Government is financed by treasury bonds. Paper. And who buys the treasury bonds? Mostly the Fed. And how does the Fed buy them? By printing money. But what backing does the Fed have for that money being printed? The treasury bonds themselves. So basically, you finance the government by printing money out of thin air. Someone could ask, someone could ask, well, so if the government can print the limited amounts of money out of thin air, why did they collect taxes? <laughs> I mean, in theory, it would make sense, right? If they can print unlimited amounts of money, why would they need taxes for? The answer is simple, but it's very shocking. The real problem is that you pay high taxes only to uphold the illusion that you are funding the government, which you are not. It's shocking, but it's true. The government is funded by money printing, paper backed with paper, a bubble that will inevitably burst. The situation is even worse than it seems, because if most Americans and the rest of the world were to become aware of this farce, confidence in your currency would be lost, the dollar would fall, and the Western civilization with it. If the next president of the United States doesn't make the necessary policies and structural changes, Sooner or later, that bubble will burst. There's still time. You don't have to make the same mistakes we did in the 60s and the 70s. You can still jump before the water boils. Winning the election isn't enough to solve these problems. They will not simply go away as a consequence of an electoral result. It would take a total re-engineering of the government, top to bottom, it will entail making difficult decisions like the ones we made in El Salvador since 2019 and they're already paying off. It will be hard. The system will push back. But you have the right to determine your own fate. <laughs> Salvadorans did the same. The decision for the direction of our nation was ours, and it continues to be ours. We didn't tolerate being told what to do. In doing so, we did the unthinkable against all adversity. We transformed El Salvador from the most dangerous country in the world 
to the safest in the Western Hemisphere. to you. Put up the fight because it is in the end it will be worth it. It has been for us and you will have your country back. May God bless you. May God bless the people of the United States. May God bless El Salvador and the future of both our nations. Thank you very much. Okay, Landon back here. I, I, I really hope that you enjoyed that and took a lot from it. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the best constructed, pieced together summations of everything that we all need to be aware of. And um, as, as, as we just push, push against the darkness that's enveloping this world. And if you don't understand your enemy, how can you go to war? So he, he did a really good job of outlining what the cracks are and who is creating the cracks and how we're, how we go about undoing it. And, um, there was a, a really, really good presentation that I saw the other day by a constitutional lawyer. And what she was saying was, our most effective tool in any, any fight such as the one we find ourselves in is peaceful noncompliance. Peaceful noncompliance is the weapon of the people against the tyrants and the overreachers. And what we have in most Western civilizations now are centralized governments who are overreaching and, and taking their, the mandate that they had been given by the people, but then turning it back on the populations and turning everything upside down and forgetting that the governments work for the people, not the other way around. So we, we've exchanged democratic republic institutions for institutional tyranny. And so peaceful noncompliance, as the El Salvadorian president alluded to, pushing back and fighting for your rights, that's the only way that you're going to restabilize society uh, without some serious, serious, dire consequences, um, which never works out well for any country when things like economic systems fail, food supplies fail, civil wars and unrest begin, and people start shooting each other. And that you don't want to go there. He's saying, don't go there. You don't have to. And the constitutional lawyer is saying, Peaceful noncompliance, push back now before it's too late. And we reestablish a prosperous nation or a prosperous society wherever you are that says the rights of people at the individual level are so important. Why? Because they were issued to us by the Lord God Almighty 
and we are his created beings and we honor and respect each other because of that. We don't choose this hedonistic path that the pagans would have us choose, which is to abuse and control others to our own benefit. No, we, we choose the light of Christ and we reject the darkness of paganism. And this is the age old battle. We're back to the book of Acts, folks. Here we are, right back to the book of Acts. And if, if we don't push back now, they will, either literally or metaphorically, burn us as lampposts in the streets of pagan civilization, just as they did in Rome. You know, this, this is not, this is of grave consequence, because this is setting the foundation for our future generations. If you've got anybody in your life, a child, a, a grandchild, anybody, if you are the grandchild, the future generations hinge on what's happening right now, right now. And, um, you know, everything can be erased in one generation. We've seen this over and over as history has unfolded. So anyhow, um, I, I hope this was all meaningful for you today. And I really hope that um, wherever you are in whatever domains you're operating, that you will be that bright spark, that light, and that you will shine brightly and push it back, push back against those forces that have um, kind of enveloped us while we were being boiled in the pot and jump out of the water and say, no, not on my watch. What you're doing is unbiblical, immoral, and is not in pursuit of peace and prosperity for our society. So we're not going to be with you. We're going to be with those who want the freedom to live as the Lord created them and not to be under the thumb of your tyrannical reign. So I hope that that, that is something that you can do locally, whatever form that takes, whether it's elections or um, getting involved in the community or just speaking out to people, speaking to people at your church and getting them awake, awakened. I mean, the church is the most powerful force on earth to push back against darkness. And in fact, it's the only force on earth that can truly push against the darkness. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, as opposed to us being the Lord of our lives. And in that, his kingdom will come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if with that, we say, amen. So I really issue blessings on all of you out there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And we'll catch you next time when when we look at the book of James and we see what Jesus' brother has to say about our daily lives as he sticks it to us and helps shape and reshape the way we think about our application of our faith in our daily walk. So we'll catch you then. And this is Landon, and I'm out. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Save Them podcast. As always, you can find us at savethem.org. See you next time. Thank you, and donkey.